coaching staff knows it. Every one of his teammates know it. Anybody with eyeballs watching the game knows it. This wide receiver core is terrible. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network as well. I am joined, as always, by producer JT. He is live from Nashville, where I usually am. JT, how are you? I'm good. Happy Monday. Uh, happy Monday. Happy Monday from Nashville. Of course, you are uh, enjoying right. this Monday from somewhere else. I am uh, at a disclosed location. <laughs> Uh, in the middle of the ocean on a boat right now, or a ship, actually. It's not a boat. Uh, Stupid fun fact of the day for you guys out there. A ship is a boat big enough to carry other boats. Learned that this week. Um, So yeah, I'm on a ship in the middle of the ocean going Jerry Jones style uh, on the podcast this week. I am, of course, on my honeymoon with my gorgeous new wife. But in the middle of the NFL season, had to take about 30 minutes out of my day to stop by and talk about the Titans game last night, which was... um, well, we, we expected it to be a fascinating one going in, but then right, bef- right before the game, it wasn't all that fascinating. And then in the game, it got way more fascinating. It was kind of a roller coaster of emotions. Um, in, in the lead up to the game, of course, when we found out that Ryan Tannehill wouldn't be starting, the idea was, well, this game, the, the complexion of what would otherwise have been a massive uh, conference game between two conference leaders and presumed winners for playoff seating turned into a let's see what the titans can do um down so many key pieces and of course down their quarterback against a, a team like the chiefs with patrick mahomes in kansas city coming off of the bye in which andy Reid is spectacular all the chips were on the table for kansas city and the the deck was stacked against the titans so the expectation going in from everybody in the hour or so lead up to the game was was that this game would be kind of a throwaway, would be a let's look for moral victories. And ultimately, the Titans played so much better in this game than I expected them to. JT, you watched the game last night as well. Were you surprised by just how well this team played? I, I was personally, um, especially going into it. Throughout the entire day, I was talking to a lot of friends while I was at work and co-workers and whatnot, and they're like, it's going to be a close game. And I'm like, I really think Malik's going to start tonight, and I really don't mm-hmm. think that the Titans are going to be able to keep track with them. But two quarters in, the Titans were just there, if not leading the Chiefs. And it really came down to, I think, the defense was the number one reason why, as well as there was some surprisingly okay play from Malik on the first couple of drives in the game. There's a lot of chunk plays by Chig Okonkwo and the Derrick Henry breakaway runs were some of the surprising yep. factors that I saw in that game, at least in the first couple of quarters and really gave them the chance to get out ahead of the chiefs last night and kind of shut Patrick Mahomes down to have a quiet first half. Yeah. And JT, those are, you touched on the two big points I want to talk about today. Malik Willis and the defense. Those are the things we learned the most about in this game. And the defense is the the primary thing that we learned from this game. We talked in the preseason a lot about how this defense could be poised to make a jump even further from what they became at the end of last season and be the best defense in the league. 
And they had a rough start against the Giants and the Bills. But since then, they have been the best defense in the league. And in this game, I think that they proved that even in the 2022 NFL, where defense has been so minimized by the play of offenses, the the uh, money that goes into offensive players and weapons, the, the amount of uh, just rule changes that have gone on in the NFL over the years that have allowed offenses to capitalize uh, more often, everything points to defenses maybe not even being able to carry teams in the modern NFL. And certainly the old adage that defense wins championships has kind of been put in question. Well, I don't know if this defense can win a championship necessarily, but this defense is absolutely now proven, at least to me, to be good enough to carry this team. And we saw it a lot down the stretch last year when Derrick Henry went out the back half of the season for the Titans looked not, not as dramatic as it's looked for the Titans the past two weeks in which the defense has been the key to their success, but they carried the team more often than not. And this offense did just enough to win last year. Well, last night, the offense did just enough to almost win. Didn't quite finish it out. And against Patrick Mahomes, I don't know. You can be surprised by that. JT, I, I tweeted out at one point last night, and this is kind of a bizarre thing. I don't quite know how to explain. Patrick Mahomes, I think, runs better against the Titans than he does against any other team in the league, which is funny because the Titans' run defense is spectacular, and they shut down the Chiefs' run defense, run offense entirely last night. Isaiah Pacheco and CEH and those guys, uh, uh, McKinney, those, those three, that three-headed running back situation they have in Kansas City, was absolutely shut down in every way. They had no impact on this game whatsoever. And that's that's a credit to this Titans run defense, which is by far the best in the league right now. But Patrick Mahomes just finds a way to kill them with his legs each and every time they play. No, I agree. And I think it comes down to game plan. I think one of the things that the um, Titans or the Chiefs for sure were coming into this game, especially off the bye, looking at, okay, this is by far the best run defense in the league. And you, you got to kind of basically go away from the run game. They do not have that dynamic part of the run game that so many other opponents, the Titans have faced this year and have already stopped. So what did they do early and often Patrick Mahomes getting out of the pocket, looking to try to make some plays. And that's why he can run so well on the Titans last night. And in recent memory, it's because he gets out early and often and he's just that good of a player that he can make those plays. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's, I said I couldn't explain it. I think I can almost explain it a little bit. Of course, he was already tearing the Titans up a little bit with his legs early in the game, but we saw Bud Dupree go down again with that nagging hip injury, and he did not come back into the game. He went down around the midpoint. I, don't, I can't remember exactly when, but he missed about half the game, I believe. And from that point on, you could tell that the Titans' defense the defensive end situation on the front, they couldn't contain Mahomes the way that they had been able to with Bud Dupree. He's such a good contained player and he does a great job getting around the end and, and collapsing the pocket, keeping the quarterback corralled in. But when he left that kind of went out the window and Mahomes was able to use his legs and make some plays. And, and ultimately it's what led to the Titans downfall in this game. I want to, before we move on from the defense, just point out that as salty as this defense is right now, they are poised to only get saltier with Bud Dupree, assuming he gets over this hip injury in his back. That again, like I just said, is going to make a significant difference. Christian Fulton is playing the best ball of his career right now. He is fantastic 
Roger McCreary has some ups and downs, but he is really talented on the outside. And once they can get into a situation with Elijah Molden returning, that's only going to impact this defense in a positive way with McCreary being able to move to the outside where he belongs. And, and Elijah Molden being a plus player in the slot is going to mean a lot for this defense. And then, of course, one of the best players on the entire defense, Imani Hooker, wasn't playing last night. They had a lot of Josh Kalu in the in for at safety to play big nickel against Travis Kelsey, which worked with some mixed results. They really got in his head. And uh, by the way, NFL officiating horrendous in this game. I mean, across the board for for both teams, the the officials were far too big an impact on this game. They were way too involved. I hate that. Everyone online seems to be in agreement that they hate that. Chiefs fans really on online were whining a lot last night despite getting all of the calls their way which was was quite funny um but there was some play call there was some uh penalty called in this game that were ridiculous jt no and i totally agree and i mean one of the biggest focal points of the night having to do with officiating you can look to one player and that's travis kelsey i mean man were there a couple of calls last night that should have been called one, I mean, I mean, the helmet is a whole thing. Helmet issue is the whole thing in itself. Just taking taking his helmet and throwing it on the sideline, which in recent weeks we have been made well aware, thanks to the Carolina Panthers. You can't do that, man. He's in the field of play. How are, how are they so inconsistent with such a simple play, a simple penalty call? I don't understand. It was really just odd to see, as well as just the uh, defensive pass interference down by the goal line there. You just yeah, got a two point conversion when he on the rips two Josh Kelsey's helmet off and throws it into the upper deck. I mean, it it's unbelievable. Odd to say the least. There, considering what happened last night, like, they call it defensive pass interference when clearly it's. I mean, you go back and watch that, and I, I, I beg you, if you have not gone back and watched, go on Twitter, just search Kelsey Kalu. You will find this clip everywhere. Kalu is playing tight on him on the line of scrimmage of course because it's a two-point conversion one of three attempts they got by the way the refs really seemed interested in the game being tied up not to say that there's anything there but uh they they certainly were calling things in favor of the home team last night i think without a doubt travis kelsey has kalu on him at the line of scrimmage they make contact at the line as you're perfectly legal it's perfectly legal to do so kalu and kelsey are arm fighting Clue does not hook Kelsey in any way. He doesn't grab Kelsey in any way. Kelsey tries an in-breaking route, and Clue just being a physical presence, having his hands on him. Kelsey, at, the, at this point, point in the game, has clearly gotten sick and tired of the nonsense. He takes Kalu's helmet by the face mask, rips it off, and then kind of takes a dive, a little bit of a flop, and, and gets the refs to, to call defensive pass interference, which was an astonishingly poor penalty and it allowed the chiefs another third option a third attempt rather at a two-point conversion that ultimately tied the game and and led to the end of the game where the the titans had been leading throughout um but it's not to say that the titans are entirely blameless for the loss in the second half it was abysmal and it falls on really the entire offense not being able to get anything going the running game they probably should have stuck with it more than they did they went away with it they went away from it because it had been really not successful in the second half. The Chiefs' run defense had gotten pretty stout. They tried some things with Malik, who played a really nice first half. I mean, we saw a lot of progress from Malik between last week and and this week in the first half of the game. He looked 
quite good and made to look worse than he actually was because the receiving situation for the Tennessee Titans, holy cow, JT. I mean, it's a disaster right now. He had multiple passes, gorgeous passes, deep passes, hit the both hands of his receivers and be fall incomplete. I mean, these guys could not make a play to save their lives last night. The receivers didn't have a single catch in this game. The entire Titans receiving core, not one catch. How unbelievable is that? No, it's completely unbelievable, especially when you have um, the coach, Mike Vrabel, after the game uh, being asked about why Derrick Henry is getting 26 plus carries a game. He, he said, I mean, who the blank are we going to throw it to? And it's because they yeah. really have nobody. I mean, when you're in a two minute drill and you have Cody Hollister, who is one of the only wide out options they have still trying to block and missing what is going on on the field when he's supposed to be running a route. It really just goes to show how much, despite Malik not being, you know, maybe NFL ready, he has no help out there. Yeah. And JT, there was another quote after the game that I want to talk about along the same lines, but first got to sell the show a little bit here. If you are not subscribed to the show, why are you listening to a show that you're not subscribed to? You absolutely should go subscribe wherever you get your good podcasts, Spotify, Apple iTunes podcasts. Hey, on Apple podcasts, if you subscribe to the show, please leave us a five-star rating and then a review saying whatever you want. We will shout you out on the show. We will read your review. Literally leave us constructive criticism, praise. You can tell us about your day. You can you can leave your Twitter handle and we will follow you on Twitter. We're we're begging you for reviews here. We love them. The 10 seconds it takes you to leave a review means so much more to us and to the show than it than it does to you. And, and the very short time it takes you to do that. So we'd much appreciate it if you would go and do that. Malik Willis after the game, JT had a, a quote, and I'm paraphrasing here. I, I I don't have it pulled up, but he was asked about what he was thinking when he was scrambling around at the end of the game in overtime on third and fourth down when he took those big, big sacks. Um, or on second and third down, rather. And, and he said in a moment of honesty with a smile on his face, and I don't think he meant this maliciously because in the, the time that I've gotten to know Malik a little bit, I know that he is maybe the nicest person you've ever met. He basically said, all I was thinking was, I hope somebody gets open soon because I can't keep doing this. And he might get blasted for that comment. I know behind the scenes, they're probably going to have to speak to him about that because you kind of throwing your receivers under the bus. But frankly, it's the truth, and everybody knows it's the truth. Malik knows it. The coaching staff knows it. Every one of his teammates know it. Anybody with eyeballs watching the game knows it. This wide receiver core is terrible. Now, I say that with an asterisk because the real receiving core is returning from IR soon. Okay, the receivers had out there last night. They were paid actors. They were not real NFL receivers. Um, as much as the Titans love NWI, he's limited. You need him to be your third or fourth guy. Cody Hollister, he's made some steps, but he needs to be your fourth or fifth or sixth guy. And Robert Woods just is not good enough to to do do it all out there by himself. He's talented, but he he can't be when he's the wide receiver one and he's the focal point and there's nothing else in the passing game. He's not he is not that guy anymore. He needs to be the wide receiver two or three. And so when Traylon Burks comes back, who is eligible to return, excuse me, return from IR this week. Uh, against the Broncos back in a Nissan Stadium at home. And imagine he's going to be back in Mike Vrabel's press conference today on Monday. He didn't say whether or not he would be back for sure, but he had some positive things to say about him just in the sense that he's been working extremely hard to condition and lift and learn during his IR stint. And he's been uh, happy with the work that Burks has put in there. So it sounds like 
good things for Burks. And listen, Vrabel has not been one to compliment Burks. So this is about as high of praise as it gets for him. He's got to get back. This team needs him desperately. Him and Robert Woods should be able to, to provide something in the passing game. And then you, you'd really love to see Racy, Racy McMath to come back, not to say that he'll necessarily be a great option, but he's some fresh juice. And based on what we saw in the preseason, he could end up being a guy that this team goes to in the passing game. And then Kyle Phillips, eligible to return, I think, after week 12. So for week 13, I believe, not positive about that. They need him back as well. Once they get those guys back, if this receiving core can go from Cody Hollister, Robert Woods, NWI, and a bunch of lawn chairs and deck for, deck furniture, from that to Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Robert Woods, NWI, Racy McMath, that's what this team desperately, desperately needs. And, of course, I think Ryan Tannehill would have obviously done a better job in the passing game last night than Malik did. He's still a rookie. He showed his rookie stripes quite a bit. In the second half, it was rough, man. Negative passing yards uh, in the second half. Titans offense just stalled out for an entire half, and the defense did everything that they could. But it wasn't enough. No, yeah, I totally agree. And it kind of felt like the Chiefs, at least, were able to make those second-half adjustments that you would expect a team that was all complete and together, unlike the Titans to kind of come out there and make those adjustments that they needed to kind of eliminating those tight end threats that were able to get some huge plays off in the first half for the Titans. Also just kind of getting around to slowing Henry down in that second was very key for them. And it just kind of worked out that way. Like you said, no help for Malik whatsoever, kind of the offensive line also faltering in that second half, kind of just seeming like they ran out of gas there, leaving Malik just a little less time to kind of be in that pocket and try to figure some things out. But like I said, stopping Henry <laughs> is the biggest key for them in this second half. Yeah, and then they did it well enough to win the game. Not a whole lot of other thoughts for me on this game, other than the fact that Mike Rabel's a hell of a coach. And I don't, I don't think that this game was necessary in order to point to everybody who's ever called for Mike Rabel's job as morons and losers and people that just don't, they don't know ball. They don't know ball because this guy is one of the, I would argue top five coaches in the NFL. Look around the NFL, which NFL coaches reliably week in and week out year after year, get more out of the roster that is given to them than Mike Vrabel. The, the list is very short. I mean, he is in the, he is in the Bill Belichick, Andy Reed, Mike Tomlin tier of coaches, in my opinion, he's fantastic at what he does. And the fact that, I mean, I tweeted before this game, JT, if, if Mike Vrabel wins this game in Arrowhead against a rested and completely healthy chiefs team, Andy Reed coming off of the bye, the Titans in some of the worst injury trouble that they've been in, in the last two years, which is saying a lot with Malik Willis at quarterback, it will be the greatest Houdini win of Mike Vrabel's career, past, present, or future. It will be better than anything he's ever done, and it will be better than anything he's ever he ever will do. And he came damn near close to doing it. I mean, they should have won this game. And the officiating goes a little bit differently. The wide receivers make a couple of catches that hit him in the hands. They dropped, and this game looks entirely different. Mike Vrabel is a stud. This team, with this defense and with Mike Vrabel, Absolutely. And here's to just wrap up the thoughts from last night. Here's what we learned from this game. As long as the Titans have Mike Vrabel 
and this defense rolling the way that they currently are, they are contenders in the AFC South, of course, with a division that they're guaranteed to win at this point, in my opinion. We'll talk about that in the news here in a moment, as well as in the AFC and in the NFL. This team can compete. And when they get Ryan Tannehill back and some of these pieces back from IR, the offense can it can't it's it has to improve. There's nowhere for it to go but up. It will get better. And so I think this team and the and the like we said, the defense gonna get guys back as well. They can get healthy, they can get Ryan Tannehill back. This team is in great shape, and they're they're a good team. That's that was that was what I tweeted at the end of the game to wrap it up. Listen, they lost the game. We expected them to lose. It, it stings for them to have gotten so close, but it's what we expected. And we basically said before the game, hey, this game is going to be about seeing Malik development, seeing what the defense can do against a top flight offense, and everything other than that is gravy. There was a lot of gravy in this game, a whole lot of gravy. And so I think Titans fans should feel good about that. I'm not a moral victories guy, but this game is the closest to a real moral victory as they come. This Titans team is 5-3. and three. They've got, I think, a pretty advantageous schedule coming up. It looked like a tougher stretch of the season for them, but the, the Broncos, the Bengals, the Packers, all three are teams that have proven to be very flawed. I think the Bengals are, are in a class of their own in that group. But the, the Packers and the Broncos are, I mean, do they scare you? How, how, how can they scare you right now? I think this Titans team, if they get Tannehill back, will absolutely be favored in those games. <clears throat> no, I agree, especially coming off uh, Broncos team with the bye. I don't know really how scary that is. For these Titans, it's scary for the Broncos. You want to give Nate Hackett more time to, to cook up whatever he's been cooking up in his meth lab? No, absolutely not. If I'm a Broncos fan, why <laughs> is the worst thing for my team? No, especially having to go on the road and, by the way, play in a noon game <laughs> next week. Um, not we'll talk about that, of course, on Thursday with a lot more about that game, but I don't know how great you can feel if you're a Broncos fan. As for the Packers, I mean, it is just an absolute mess up there in green Bay dropping the game to the lions losing 15 to nine, not to mention green Bay losing a plethora of starters in that game as well. I just don't see it getting any better. And the only way that the Packers right now can win is through their run game. And I don't see them winning a game against the Titans through their run. Nobody is winning a game against the Titans by running on them. Nobody is because they're just that fantastic. All right, those are my thoughts on the game from last night. Again, an abbreviated show today because I am, uh, you know, on vacation. But um, we, we do have a new segment today, which I want to get to. I apologize if my audio has been kind of shaky. So let's get to the guy with some better audio. JT, give us some Titans news. Alrighty, getting into a very abbreviated news segment here. Just a couple of topics to talk about on this Monday. Now, afternoon, you should be getting this podcast pretty soon after this at the time of recording. But let's talk about one huge stat for the Titans and just kind of wrap up this game last night with a little bit of a bow. Let's talk about the Titans wide receivers as a collective group versus Mm. one sole receiver, A.J. Brown. The Titans have 51 catches on the year for 658 yards and a touchdown. A.J. Brown alone has 43 yards, 43 catches, sorry, 718 yards and six touchdowns. Now, not to add insult to injury, of course, we've talked multiple times now for the last two weeks. 
there really wasn't anything that the Titans could do in the AJ Brown situation. However, Correct. it just goes to show you how depleted they are at this position. But considering it's one of the most important positions that the that the team needs, it really just yeah. goes to show you how pitiful it is. It's so pitiful. And um, to be fair to this team, most of their receiving stats for the year have been um, without the best receivers on the field in Kyle Phillips and Traylon Burks. It's been with Robert Woods coming back from an ACL injury, which we don't know how much that is impacting his ability to perform. And for the past couple of weeks, it's been, you know, two weeks where they've essentially passed the ball none. I mean, in the, the but I think both games, there were 11 pass attempts, five or six completions. And last night, the receivers got zero yards and zero catches for zero touchdowns. I mean, that's when you have whole weeks like that that aren't your bye week. That's that's how it's going to go, man. And A.J. Brown is a stud. And of course, like we said, he forced his way out of town. We've, just, we've talked about this on the show at length, ad nauseum. That was not a situation the Titans. They made they made a bad choice. Yes, they could have technically kept him on the team, forced him to stay because he had him under contract. But he forced his way out of town, and he wasn't he was not wanting to play with the Titans anymore. So uh, that's just the way that that goes. They they need 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 Ryan Tannehill, Traylon Burks, and Kyle Phillips back. They need him back yesterday, and uh, that's the only way this receiving game is going to get any better. Moving on to some good news here for the Titans, I would say. <laughs> the AFC South is basically wrapped up in a bow here. If you're it's listening done. to this show, when it comes out today, later today on Monday, you will already know that the Indianapolis Colts have fired Frank Reich. He is finally out of town, moving his way out of town here on this Monday. And of course, his replacement, it's not a couple people that you would have thought. It's not Gus no. Bradley. It's not John Fox. It's not even a rising head coach candidate in Bubba Ventron? No. It is former center of the Indianapolis Colts, Jeff Saturday, to be the interim JT, head coach. JT, what is, what is going on, JT? I what have no they, idea. What it's, is happening? It's Jim Ursay being Jim Ursay in his little own bubble and saying, I can do whatever <laughs> I want. I want to relive the glory days, try to put some of that back into this team. And frankly, I just... This, this Colts team is just a mess. Removing Frank Reich, the correct decision, yes. They need a full change out, changing of the guard there on that head coaching staff. However, making Jeff Saturday your interim head coach only makes that entire team even more of a mess. Yeah, to start on Frank Reich, I'm gonna tackle Jeff Saturday here in a second. Uh -uh. It was the right move. Frankly, it's long overdue. I think that the Reich is let go. The Colts have officially waved the white flag on the season. So congrats to the Titans on their third consecutive AFC South victory in early November. Really impressive. Uh, the season is is wrapped up in that regard. The, the division is wrapped up in that regard. They are going to win the division easily. Um, they're at five and three with a winnable schedule ahead. So that's, that's how they're in good shape even after this loss, which hurts, but it's certainly not a bad loss by any means. The Titans, I mean, they they're, they have three losses on the year, and two of them are to the Bills and the Chiefs. Those aren't bad losses. Um, the Giants' loss is not great, although the Giants are a better team than people thought as well. So none of their losses have been true Titans' losses where they lose to 
absolutely terrible teams yet. I'm sure it will come. You know it will come. There's no way it doesn't come eventually, but that's where they're at right now. Reich, to his credit, he had to deal with a new starting quarterback every single year of his five-year tenure with the Colts. That's not a winning recipe. That's not fair to him. Now, I don't think he's a good coach, a good head coach, that is. He might be an all right offensive coordinator, and I think he'll get another job somewhere. A lot of people are higher on him in general than I am. A lot of folks, even in Titan circles, have talked about how, hey, Reich's a good coach. He's going to get another job. <clears throat> he's going to land on his feet somewhere, and maybe that's the case. I, I don't necessarily see it. I'll have to see it to believe it. I think that it's a much bigger deal that he didn't get any continuity at the most important position on his offense and so that's a reflection on this organization just organizationally they are a mess it's been failure after failure for half a decade now they continue to try to reach back to the glory days which are long gone at this point with peyton manning and andrew luck and is jim ursay on drugs making this decision to bring in to bring in this interim head coach here I, maybe he is although i will say Jeff Saturday, he's a he's a good guy. Um, he's gonna maybe he'll at the very least maybe he'll help this way overcompensated, way underperforming offensive line for the Colts get a little bit better. Um, but <clears throat> the novelty head coach market is a funny one to me, and maybe it's a sneaky smart move by Ursay in in this regard. They've waved the white flag. It's time for the Colts to truly tank, which they've refused to do the past five years. They've demanded that they just try to tread water, and it's been to their detriment. Now that they're finally in a position to tank and get a high draft pick and start over, they need a guy in there that's going to lose. And frankly, maybe Jeff Saturday is the right hire in that regard. So I don't know. It'll be fascinating to watch how that goes. Um, he doesn't even have read that he does not even have a person on his incoming staff who's ever called plays in the NFL before. So they have to figure that out uh, on a less than a week's notice before they play the Raiders next week, who are a bad football team at this point, but are desperate to get a win. So that'll be an interesting game. Overall, the the disaster in Indianapolis, I, I wish I could say I didn't see it coming, but we saw it coming. Um, everybody in the national media didn't, so I'm, I'm glad that they had their annual rude awakening on the Colts. I'm sure they will go back into their delusional state by the spring, and the Colts will be back to AFC South favorites in short order. But for now, the Titans have this division wrapped up with a bow. And that is all our Titans and NFL-specific news for the day. However, if you are a longtime listener of the Hot Read Podcast, we do have to talk about our best bet gauntlet and how we did yes. this week. Of course, it was an ugly week for both of us, I will have to say. Uh, <laughs> just like just like your microphone there. Yeah, that it's very ugly. <laughs> and, sorry, sorry, and, sorry. And personally, I went one, one, and two. Of course, I pushed on two of our head-to-head uh, -head matches here. Of course, the Rams and the Vikings both winning and losing by three points in different fashions but still it is a push putting me to 2020 and four of course i have baltimore minus two and a half tonight as they go into new orleans and try to win that one to make my my record look a little better as for easton he goes to two and one and of course we do kind of go with the best line available and of course that that 
Minnesota-Washington line went up from three to three and a half. So, of course, he is going to take that three and a half and get an extra win on the week, going two, two, and one, putting his record to 22, 20, and three. So, of course, if Baltimore wins, I am still only a game and a half out of the lead for the year. And that's all we have for today. All right, that's been JT with the news, and that's been it for our show today. Again, apologies for any of my audio issues today. This is on a laptop in the middle of the ocean, very far away, so we're doing our best. Um, I probably shouldn't even be doing podcasts this week, but listen, I'm a man of the people. I could not, in the middle of the NFL season, after such a big game, not come give my thoughts, and I'll be back via the boat, via the ship, rather, uh, on Friday morning. We'll have it back at our regular time. First thing Friday morning, we'll be back. We uh, may or may not have a special guest this week, which I'm looking forward to if we can get a moment to speak to him, which you'll definitely want to be back here for. And we'll be previewing the Titans coming back home to host the Denver Broncos coming off of their bye next week. Uh, I'll be back in Nashville for that game at the game on Sunday. So we're previewing that. And then Monday morning next week, first thing, back on the regular schedule, back and better than ever, and we'll be ready to finish out the year strong. Until then, I am Easton Freeze for producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you Friday morning.